Hello everyone, welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I'm the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My co-host on the Big Monday Show, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us in just a minute. Got a big weekend uh, to review, a lot of a lot of action, a lot of stakes. A uh, big story coming out of the weekend was the suspension of Rich Strike's jockey. Uh, Rich Strike, who, who ran... Uh, really well on on Saturday. Um, a lot of other stuff going on, and uh, we'll talk about it. See you in about a minute and a half. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently... The star of Pleasant Acre Farm Stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it 3-for-3, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hello, Hurricane Survivor Sniper. (laughs) Yeah. You made it. Yeah, made it to the other side, huh? You got power back? Yesterday. Well, it's better than the uh, first uh, estimate that you got. Yeah, they said Tuesday, and that would have been not ideal. But well, uh, they were out there doing their thing. I had to give them credit. They, they really got things back together around here fairly quickly. Even though I was annoyed by not having power, it wasn't like the biggest thing in the world. And I, I know there's other people in other places in Florida that were hit way harder than than what we got. Or actually, we got lucky. Our our neighborhood got kind of messed up, but um, we didn't do that bad as far as damage or anything. And everybody's safe, happy, healthy, and back to work. Back to work i hear you man yeah other than breezy breezy's breezy's home till wednesday really back to school till wednesday because i think their her school doesn't have power yet (laughs) really yeah (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure she's highly upset about that no she is not other than the fact that i i gave her the heisman on making um shrimp ramen for her earlier yeah (laughs) <laughs> she's fine with it <laughs> is it play her nintendo 
Yeah, I could hear. I, I could. I could dig that. Better. I could dig that. Yeah. Well, we have uh, <clears throat> we have news in thoroughbred racing as as always. We have some controversy. You said good news? No, I said we have news. Oh, oh okay. I mean it's good news, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? What's good for someone is bad for someone else. True, true. Um, in this case, uh, Sonny Leone. Oh, man. He got uh, 15 days for the uh, <laughs> the flagrant foul he committed on Tyler Gaffer. <laughs> flagrant two. <laughs> at the end of the uh, the Lucas Classic. Um. It's always so interesting to me to see people's reactions in that. Uh, I mean, we've been calling pretty much since we started the show for the stewards to like do something, you know, about the rough riding that, that exists on a daily basis. It, it's essentially across the board. I don't know that there's any tracks that are really, um, you know, not, not, uh, they're immune to the issues of, of hurting and <laughs> sense of hurting. And I just think it's funny sometimes how, how the reactions and then kind of the counter reactions and you know, <laughs> like when it first came out. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm happy Rich Strike lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not because I, I I didn't even bet on the race. I, I just couldn't really make heads or tails of it, and couldn't come up with a real solid opinion. And and honestly, in the preview, I I kind of said, you know, of all the horses in the race, the one horse that's most likely to improve is him. Is Red Strike? Yeah. And um, you know, everyone else in the race, and I know people hate, uh, you know, I'm gonna hate to hear this. At least some people, but. Those horses are just horses, um, right? They know, what good. what passes these days for like top flight races are just not that good. I mean, the horses just aren't that good, and the separation between the three year olds and the older horses at this time of year, it just isn't that great anymore. And and um, you know, Art Collector is is a nice horse, and I'd like to have him, but I mean, right? He's not. He's not burning. <laughs> burning up anybody you know he's not he's, he's just, just dominant. a nice horse against the top, yeah, he's top okay. horses he's, he's just good. not good enough and um i mean hot rod charlie's a good horse but <laughs> he doesn't exactly you know he, he you can't wallpaper your your walls of your office with with hot rod charlie wind pictures <laughs> more like place pictures which is amazing that he actually kind of fought back and won you know chess chief is you know he he's been he's been well terrible. he's just waiting for the fairgrounds so he's been terrible all year and and uh king fury is just a clunker and king I mean, fury. happy saver got stuck on the inside and i mean leon did a pretty good job of keeping him trapped which seemed to be his goal um for most of the race and it worked but um I mean, the horse ran good. He ran well. I, I just sometimes I'm not sure what the the Rich Strike fan base wants us to say. Like oh, he ran well. Is he better than 
we originally thought probably he he's, he has developed some, but he's this is October of his two year old year, excuse me three year old year, and he still has two wins. <laughs> well, that's that's where it stops and starts with me. I mean, if he would have won the other day, you know, uh, it would have at least boosted him up. But to me, it 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 doesn't really do much for him in defeat, especially against a field like that. You know, if, if it was a better field and he kind of, you know, improved and, and ran that well, I'd be, you know, a little more excited. Um, but I, I just don't think that field was that great. And then he took the lead and gave it back up. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't bode well for me anyway going forward I, I mean yeah he ran better and then you could also say that he could be just a horse for course um you know for Churchill I mean his his best two races by far were at Churchill three races now yeah I, I think I he think, broke his maiden by 13 there correct? I think that people pointing out the Travers buyer figure that buyer figure is high because epicenter ran really well in- <laughs> right epicenter ran his and it, it may even be a little bit high in, in that in general like uh, the whole crew got it, it's hard bigger. to believe they all all the horses who ran second third and fourth all ran their lifetime best race in that race yeah that's not happening that's that doesn't not seem, especially feasible. since since two of them came out of that race, well, actually, two of them, all three of them came out of that race to lose. And and yeah, I mean, Rip Strike ran well enough to win. He, he got beat ahead. It wasn't like he got beat five lengths, but I, I just, you know, and this is my question: Who am I supposed to use as a measuring stick for Rip Strike in in the past? Like he won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. So once you win the Kentucky Derby, well. I don't want to hear about moral victories. I don't win. Win races. Win I'd say, the, you know, maybe and always. That's not, that's not downgrading his, like his performance. And, and honestly, it's like, you know, you said something the other day, or a few minutes ago. The older horses stink in this country. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, it's like, everybody's, oh, no, my God, in your chair. Hot Rod Charlie is not. Hot Rod Charlie never wins. <laughs> He, nope. he he beat Brett Strike by a head. Happy Saber never wins. Our collector has has four wins in the last two years. Two in the or five wins in the last two years. Two in the Alley Dar, which is a restricted stake, and two at Charlestown. You know, Hot Rod Charlie is almost like the the running style opposite of Midnight Bourbon. Yeah, right. I mean, he just he's there all the time. He's right there, close, and he doesn't win a whole lot. I mean, country grammar. Uh, you know, what <laughs> that old country grammar I mean, is showing up. Will, will someone please try to try to convince me that that was a good race in California the other day? It's the same old horses in California, and everybody said, "Oh, country grammar won the." You know, they ran. Country grammar is really good in in the Middle East. <laughs> you should stand in Saudi Arabia, but they take turns beating each other. Yeah, out west. The awesome again. It was just a race. I mean, these are just okay horses. I think if Flightline runs his race, 
I could ride him and beat those horses. And the horse who's supposed to be the second best horse. Didn't look good. He didn't look good his last two races. I mean, he, he did fine in the Whitney. He won the race. You know, it, it was it was a um, it was a workmanlike victory, and everyone got got caught up in the Irad tactics after that race. See, they, they I think they got it wrong. They should have got after him about his tactics this time, and they didn't. Yeah, I think I, I think Todd Pletcher did though. I know what he's saying, but I don't. I don't think he. I think the horse was uh, honestly. I think the horse stunk the other day. Yeah, he made. I, you know, listen, it, you can it was say, a wet track too. He took a hold of him too hard for the first half mile of the race, but the reins are dangling after the half mile. He doesn't have a, have a hold of him on the turn. The <laughs> reins are dangling, and that's not how the horse races. Like he, he he's he's a horse that runs through the bridle. Irad was nervous, and that's what I was looking at in that race. Because A was on a, a was on a, a sloppy track. It was Aqueduct. He's never run there. Uh, Irad did obviously when he broke, he got him to off of the inside intentionally, which I'm, I'm assuming he was trying to find the best path. But Irad got nervous when he looked to the right going on the turn and Law Professor right there, there it is. There. And his horse wasn't accelerating like he always does at that part of the race. He was worried. And he even did the, you know, the late crossover to make yeah, sure. I saw that. You know, <clears throat> and, and to me, that instead of me trying to determine how the horse felt or this or that, I watched the guy that rides him all the time. And you watch him ride him in some of the other races. And I went back and, and you watch him. Uh, Roch, yeah, as a Pegasus, I mean, he didn't move a muscle, and the horse just drew away. You know, and 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 you watch him in the, the Nerud, mm-hmm. um, and you know, even in the Whitney until until late in the stretch. I mean, on the turn in the Whitney, he looked like he was gonna pull away. You know, like just gallop, gallop. And I, I mean, to me, he just since he's come back from Dubai, he ran that one big race in the sprint, but they beat the crap out of Speaker's Corner that day. And at the time, Speaker's Corner was much higher regarded than he is now. And I have I don't watch these these television shows, but horse racing shows. I'm sorry, but it's <laughs> it's it's awful. It's just awful. I mean, it makes like NFL broadcasts seem like Emmy Award winners. But the idea that that Junior Alvarado did something wrong on Speaker's Corner in the mile race at Churchill is is as was offered by one of the talents um, who was a very, very was great rider, but his TV skills just seems like, you know, like, like we always got to be mad at somebody or we're always defending the undefendable or we're mad at somebody, but the horse, if you go back to his February and March form, anybody could have ridden. I could have ridden him and beat that field. <laughs> True. He was running huge numbers and he was destroying fields. The horse who was second in um what do they call that race that they ran on at Churchill on <laughs> <laughs> what are they Saturday? Called? The mile race. Oh the Ack. The Ack Yes, the Ack Um you know it's funny, the Ack used to be run at seven and a half furlongs. 
and I, and I always wondered why. <laughs> it was one of the things where I moved to Why Kentucky not seven and, or a mile? Why yes, seven? They, they used to run that seven and a half. They used to run more races at seven and a half, and I, I never did get a, an, an explanation as to why that happened, but they never run them anymore. Um, anyway, the horse who was second, um, Carlo Vecareza's horse. Yes. Uh, Speaker's Corner destroyed that horse. He, you know, in, in March at Goldstream, he just like crushed him and he's not the same horse. And, and I guess the point I was making is that we gave life is good, a little bit more credit in the neighborhood, maybe than he deserved because he, he beat the shit out of Speaker's Corner. Right. The Speaker's Corner has stunk since, (laughs) since the Met Mile. I mean, his race at Delmar wasn't, wasn't good. And his race, I don't, I don't understand Bailey. Like, what did he think? I, I'm just trying to figure out what, what did he want him to do? Go to the lead? Well, clearly the, the horse isn't, like you said, the same. So he's not, you know, I mean, the tip-off should have been the last race. <laughs> you know, probably needed a break after that one instead of going in the ACAC. But here we are, and I'm sure he'll get a break now. Probably won't see him until Gulfstream Championship meet. Honestly, I thought from the rail that Alvarado, and especially when the rail seemed good earlier in the card, that he would send. And he would send him, right. But I don't necessarily think that he has to be on the lead. No. And I don't think that that race, um, I don't think it cost him the race. No, I mean, he's not He's not like an all-out front runner. Or right. Like that. He, I mean, he's shown a little bit of tactical speed you know, where he doesn't have to be on the engine and, and sit off of horses. I mean, that's basically what he did. Those mile races at, at Gulfstream was kind of sit off and, and just take over and, and crush him. He hasn't had that since <laughs> Gulfstream, to be honest. No, it is. Uh... Well, he came to Aqueduct and he won pretty easily. Yeah, um... but he didn't even, even when he won that easily, he didn't look as impressive. No, it but just it, didn't it's... have the same kind of feel that it did when he was here. Yeah, but he he had nothing the other day. Like no, I, that, that's why zero. someone that put a Twitter to tell he was blaming Alvarado, and I was thinking to myself, <clears throat> like, did he watch the same race I watched? That like, what did Alvarado do wrong? He had him sitting third on the inside behind a pretty solid pace, and he, on on a track where the inside was pretty good. Right, he just doesn't have the punch. He j- he just needs a break. No, I mean, the Delmar like... race was no good. He got to the lead. And he went fast, but you know, he's the Delmar sprinters aren't any aren't really any good either. Yeah, when CZ you know? Brockett win loses by a half a note, you gotta think the sprinters are not right. that good. No, so I, I just was sometimes I just don't understand like the logic that they use, but but um no, I mean I uh, to go back to the original point, I, I mean Rich Strike ran well. He did. And Leon got 15 days, and he deserved 15 days. Yes, he did. You know, and, and he's got a, a long history of, of riding aggressively. But Well, I think this is a good time for, like, the. this is where the stewards can really put their stamp on it and come out and say something publicly and say, hey, this is not how we ride. Whenever Unfortunately, there's nothing that ties- You will get a 15-day suspension. No, the problem nothing. people are having is that IRAD did the same thing 
in the Remsen and got no days. No, well, no, they gave him thirty days, but but that well, was yeah, but the, it was kind of a com- combination. Yeah, the, the one you offense, know, almost almost killing the guy the day before, right? But it it doesn't it shouldn't have to be this bad to get that. I mean, correct. Yes, this is a this is a a symptom of the of the problem. The problem is that they let the guys do whatever they want to do, and you know, if you're a rider. And you're seeing the guys who are the most successful doing it. Well, why aren't you going to copy it? They are. And that's what they're doing. But, you know, some people, you know, getting, oh, he should get 60 days. He should get a month. He should get six months. He should get 10 years. I mean. (sighs) No, I think they did the right thing, to be honest. But they just have to make sure that we know. And I say we as in horse players and the public that every time that's going to happen, this is going to be the result. You know, the problem is, though, Barry, is for us, we watch New York, we watch... We watch everything. Right. Literally. Stewards in Kentucky can only control what the stewards in Kentucky can do. And this is why HISA is a complete failure in this regard, in that this is something that should be under the safety prevail. Right. You're telling me, you're going to tell me, that what Leon did in the at the end of the race is less dangerous than than striking a horse seven times instead of six, because <laughs> they they've taken on one quote unquote challenge, but they haven't taken on the other, and it's just stupid. Well, I I, I think that go, that speaks to their lack of experience across the board with whomever is is regulating, because you know. I mean, we we pay attention to this stuff um, quite a bit, and I wouldn't expect the HISA people to be any less involved <laughs> than we are. You know what I mean? They should be more involved and in watching everything and, and, and coming up with these things to help safety, like dangerous riding. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, they're fixated on how many strikes there are in the lane or you know how you know taking away purse money from owners stuff like that which really isn't doing anything to help it's actually hurting to be honest but no this this is something that should be it should be the first thing you should tackle is this these incidents on the track incidents because it's the thing that affects every single person in the game and it's visible it's the most visible thing and it's just why i've been and and people listen i'm just saying he's going on his tangent again but it's just this is a perfect example why and what you said is the perfect example of why this is not gonna what you asked for is not gonna happen (laughs) because the judgment of different stewards is there's like i said there's nothing to tie them together they're individually deciding their own rules i mean the rules are what they are but the interpretation uh is right it's too ambiguous there's there's too many ways to go with it i mean the people in maryland took a horse down for doing nothing (laughs) and and tried to justify it too And, and in new york you can't run a race without some hurting some sort so 
Anyways. Well, back to life is good. Supposedly he's going to run in the Breeders' Cup. And that's good. Um, yeah, I was kind of going over who's going to run in the Breeders' Cup <laughs> Classic. And <clears throat> I got three right now. Well, I, I know three, and I, I think Hot Rod Charlie's going to run. So there's four. Uh, obviously, Flight Line. Obviously, Life is Good. They said they're going to run, and Epicenter. Yep. Um, I, I guess Cyber Jets. Your Cyber Jet. Why do I keep going over Cyber? Cyber Knife. Cyber Knife is going to run, and 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 you know he should. I, I think it's he deserves be, it. He deserves a shot it, at that. It might be his last race, which that sucks. Yeah. Because I was touting him as like the perfect horse to run in the Pegasus. Maybe he will, but I mean, I, I just don't think he's. Well, I mean, let's face it; he's won one race of importance, the Haskell. Um, you know, I guess he won the Arkansas Derby, but call it what it is; it's still a prep race. Mm-hmm. Um, he won the Haskell, and he was second to Travers. And he was, what, third in the Pennsylvania Derby. There's just so much more. I mean. Right. I would say, you know, to me, that screams like at least a a crack at one or two of those races at the beginning of the year with the Pegasus, Dubai. Let's let's run him next year because, you know, like, it'd be nice (laughs) to see him win some races. I mean, it, that's the thing, and this is what drives me crazy, and people get brainwashed into thinking the horses with two and three lifetime wins are good. You got to do more. Well, you got to earn it, you know? That's how I feel. Like, he, I mean, not that he hasn't run well. He's run well. He's but, a good horse, but I mean... You know, he's like, okay, but... I, I would think they would want his resume to be a little bit better than what it is if they're going, you know, and, and he's, he's sound enough to, to run next year. Uh, I don't, I, and with the crop that's coming out or, you know, going in the stud might as well just run them. Yeah. Right. I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. Mm. Life is good retires. Flight line retires. I mean, I'm assuming Epicenter is coming back, but yeah, that's on the fence. That's that's no guarantee. Uh, and it's not as though they couldn't find races, you know, to avoid Epicenter if that was what they wanted to do. And you know, you can't you can't be afraid. I don't of think, yeah, I don't, I don't think Epicenter's put fear in anybody anyway. I don't know. He's pretty. He, he's, he's pretty. I, I like him. Trust he's me. he's. He's pretty good. <laughs> he's damn good, but I don't think he's scaring anybody. You know, he's he doesn't have the flight line effect. No. <clears throat> or life is good effect, if if you want to do that on a slightly smaller scale. Yeah. I wonder if Olympiad's going to come around again. He's another one that I think would be great for the Pegasus. Running style and everything, just well, maybe if Flightline does this, this does retire after the Reader's Cup, then you know maybe someone will reconsider. 
I was going to say, maybe that's what everybody's waiting for, to so, figure that out. And once that's known, then you'll see everybody's plans kind of solidify. So it's, it's not exactly a difficult task to duck flight lines since he runs every six months. <laughs> you could just run in one of the, the five months in, in between his starts. Uh, it's just it's a, I, I get it's a business. I understand the the economics at play, but I don't I don't have, and you know like, I don't like to spend other people's money or tell other people to do with their own money. But if you're a really rich guy, I, I don't want to hear you. I, I I don't like when you make more money. That doesn't make me happy. And I'm not one of these sick, <laughs> wacko people that <laughs> think that everyone needs to be taxed eighty eight percent. But I mean. Is it really going to affect your life if your horse goes to stud and stands for twenty five thousand? It's it's a nice little paycheck, but you got to pay taxes. No, I don't know. I'd, it's just to me, and, and I guess Richard Galpin told me twenty years ago. He said, "You don't understand, son. Rich people they think different than us." Hmm. I would like to have the best horse or one of the best horses in the country and, and run them all over the place. You know, kind of do like what Sonny Hine did with Skip Away. Sonny Hine was a cranky old dude, and, and, and he, <laughs> you know, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But think about think about the races that horse ran in. Think about Cigar. We're everywhere. You know, that, that wasn't 50 years ago. They didn't run against Citation. <laughs> it, was, it was 25 years ago. The breed hasn't changed that much in 25 years. That's a crock of shit. And I understand the reasons why they would do it. But that doesn't mean I have to be happy about it. And I'm a person who thinks Flightline should retire afterward if he wins the Breeders' Cup because I just don't understand well, what, I mean, what he's coming back to do next year if he's right, already crashing forces. I mean, what is the point of coming back and racing in, in, in three-horse races? Because Who's going to run against them? Right. The, the context is, is everything in this situation. You have two horses, you know, um, one, like you said, runs three times a year against nobody <laughs> or very little competition. And then you have another who is good, not great, and can actually build up his resume a little bit more if he ran, you know, if he gave himself another season. I think there was only upside, and you know, obviously, unless the horse gets hurt, but <clears throat> seems sound enough. He doesn't have those kind of issues. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, most, I, I, I would think they would lean towards running them next year, but. Again, you never know. I wouldn't want to come out the same year. You know, I, I wouldn't want to put a horse in the stud the same year Flightline is coming out anyway. Well, there's a lot of really good young stallions out there. Right. Uh, I mean, Intermission is funny. Is ridiculous. We, uh, on our, on our, uh, our Twitter spaces that we do on Tuesdays and Thursdays with the, the Silks guys, <laughs> one, one or two... Uh, Episodes we spent mostly trashing into mischief, and into mischief's the leading sire in the general list. He's it's the top crazy. Sire. 
but um, you know, you have Into Mischief and you have Curlin and you have um, Gunrunner, obviously, and and all the the you know the, the up and coming stallions and uh, I mean, there's there's no there's no shortage of of really good American dirt stallions out there. You know, a Ed flight line and life is good. I mean, life is good is as good a looking as a horse as, as you can find. I mean, he's well made. He's just big and he's strong and he moves great and, and like he's got a good pedigree. I mean, as a stallion prospect, and, and there's no short sure things with stallion prospects. I mean, lots of great horses have gone to stud and not done very well at all. But I mean, you certainly have to think that he would have a big shot of. of of getting a, a really good book of mares, of course. Um, mandolins going to stud, the Derby winner. <laughs> I don't know if I would, you know, like, hey. Of course, we have to remember, and, and this is something that, that a lot of people that just the, the misconception is that if this horse is better as a stallion, a racehorse than this horse, then, then, then that's what you should breed to. And that's just absolutely positively not the case. Well, let's just say this. I would not preferably want to be in Mandalone's first crop. No, I mean, but he's, he's a well-bred horse. He's definitely a well-bred horse for sure. He's going to get, you know, I mean, he's a Judd Mott horse. They've got, a huge book of top mares, so he's going to get a shot. And, um, yeah, but there, there's no telling like who's going to be a good stallion, who's not going to be a good stallion. It just there's a lot of uh, and and thankfully that that's true because if it was right, it, it'd be easy. Everybody yeah. would do the same things. You know, this is just a copycat business as far as that goes. Everybody would do it. They jump on whomever and only want their horses bred to that horse that produces winners every time. <laughs> right. You wouldn't have a Medina spirit out of Protonico happen. Otherwise. Poor Medina spirit. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest, the, the, as a prep weekend, this was this was a pretty underwhelming, very subpar. And like you wouldn't even know any of those races meant anything, like the Frazette and all that other stuff. I mean, you really have to be into horse racing for that one. Like the Miss Grillo, man. There was only six horse, six fillies in there to win in your in race for two year olds on the turf. I, I just and and honestly, those horses, the Phillies, to me, are better group. Yeah. Than than the um than the boys and the Phillies race wound up being kind of a, you know, Shug's horse went to the lead and went slow. You know, there's no pace in the race. That's the other thing. It's it's like, for some reason, it, it, in New York, you're not allowed to have a, a turf horse with speed anymore. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, they but, just don't horses roll. <laughs> like they, but the Pilgrim, I mean, that really stunk. Those, those horses are no good. Clearly, I mean, I mean you got a horse that never ran on the turf before. One easy. No, honestly, it, you know, you actually 
put that horse out there and said that that's who you're yeah. going with in that race. And, you know, when I got to thinking about it, I mean, everybody else didn't look good. <laughs> they he didn't look experience. Great. He'd run a couple times. He'd run two turns. And, you know, Boltioro, I mean, Pletcher even said, he says, you know, he's had some turf winners. Boltioro was a case of a horse who's probably going to be a much better stallion than he was a racehorse. Mm. I don't know that he was. How can I sell this delicately? Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know. He, he was perfectly managed as a race. Yeah, horse, he wasn't. So. He wasn't handled properly. Yeah, I mean, but um, he took a shot. I mean, why not, right? And honestly, look at the eighth pole like he was going to get beat. Yeah, I thought he was going to get past wildly him. over bet Chad Brown horse was making a run, but then he kind of like he held him off. Yeah. I would say this if I was uh, if I was one of those euros, I wouldn't be scared of any of those. No fear. <laughs> I'd be I'd be sending over I had a two year old stable pony. I'd be trying to get him in. <laughs> you know how much money's over there. <laughs> Um, it was funny, Andy Serling put out something today, and he's not wrong about the juvenile turf sprint and it, it probably Breeders' Cup race. And yep, he's probably right about that because, and this is the this is the argument I used to have about the marathon when it was a Breeders' Cup race. No division. Ooh, there's no division. <laughs> like it's a championship, right? But it's a championship for a division that doesn't exist. You know, like. You got to build a division first. You have to have maiden races and allowance races and stakes, a series of stake races. You can't just put it. was all funny. People say, Oh, well, the people start breeding, you know, uh, uh, well, distance horses because they want to win a Breeders' Cup. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to breed a mile and three quarters horse. Uh, and then I'm going to wait four years for him to run in a Breeders' Cup. Like it, it was a glorified starter allowance race. And there's nothing wrong with having the race on an, uh, on an undercard, but it should be a Breeders' Cup race. Um, and he's not wrong about the turf sprint, and it doesn't really bother me that much. It's 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 like it's going to be a full field. It's going to be a good betting race. It's going uh, and, to and let's face it, they, they they have that race to attract European horses over. Yeah. Um. So. But that goes back to you know some of the stuff we talk about with the Breeders' Cup and, and, and kind of Toba as well. And and let me just make sure you understand Toba, the Breeders' Cup, the Jockey Club. They're all the same people, <laughs> you know. It's pretty much all the same people. It's they, they, they could get in and, and work together on this thing. It's not like it's totally different groups or you know. Um, but to try to set up um, a series uh, of races a schedule of sort, a, a road to the Breeders' Cup, a path to the Breeders' Cup. And, and we've talked about this ad nauseum about other, you know, the Philly Sprinters. Like, why why those races, you know, could be much better organized. But um, it, it's it's not wrong. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, like I said, it, it's a good betting race. I mean, it's 14 horses. Probably coming from about ten different places, <laughs> and uh... well, it's just it's just so apparent now. Like it's almost getting to the point where it's laughable that somebody doesn't come in and change things. 
you know, like, especially with the graded stakes, I, I even tweeted out about it because I was just annoyed that you get these graded stakes and, you know, you're like, all right, you know, the grade two, whatever stakes is up today, but it ends up being a five horse field, a one to five shot that wins. And it's just not, it's not exciting by any stretch of the man- imagination. But I think it's just getting to the point where, you know, I would, you would think that it's just getting too ridiculous and, and things are going to have to change. But we've been saying this for a good couple years now. And we're still in the same place. There's so many things that um, this industry lacks and and one of the things that it really lacks in these days is is someone to lead and there's no leadership the what, what what's seen as leadership is is just pathetic um and you say just well well who should be the leader chuck someone someone should someone I mean, should take this one racetrack exec to step up and, and make some changes even though the, consistently do it it, and, it can't and, be a racetrack exec though, because a racetrack exec, he works for his track. He works for his his operation. I mean, they have to look out for themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that sacrifices can't be made. They can't work with other tracks, but it, it needs to be one of these. The Breeders' Cup really should take the lead. Yeah, because they have uh, what everyone wants to to. To, get, to be involved with, right? They've got the series of races, uh, the two days of races, the, the big money that everyone looks forward to at the end of the year. Yep. That is the currency that they possess. And they can call shots, but they're paralyzed by people in tidy whities <laughs> that won't make a decision and don't you know are so worried about pissing someone off or offending someone this is horse racing how can you offend someone in horse racing unless they're like just super sensitive oh you said my horse sucks. Oh, yeah but your horse does suck don't like it. <laughs> then, then then enter against my horse i mean that, that's how this whole thing started hundreds of years ago my horse is better than your horse and it's evolved into this country club atmosphere of you know we don't want to upset the apple cart because oh then they're making money and they're making money and they're making money and they're making money who cares can't make an omelet why should why should why should everyone else care you know what we'd like we'd we'd like if you fix things and you made things better we don't even get into the the betting side of it but (laughs) These are these, uh, you know, we need to fix these things. There's too many graded stake races. There's too many horses that train into races now because for years and years and years, the dirty little secret about the Kentucky Derby was this. And, you know, no trainers of, of big outfits ever going to admit this. At least they won't publicly. But half the horses are there because the owners want to be there. And 
they look at it as though the trainer is paid to get me to that race. It's a 20 horse race on a mile and a quarter. It's kind of a crapshoot. You know, I just want to get in there and take a shot. We know that. We've always known that. Um, and it's kind of ignored. And people take horses like soup and sandwich and say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a sleeper horse. He's got no shot. He never had a shot. Never had a shot. Zero shot. Even Tyba. Tyba is, is, Tyba could beat soup and sandwich with two legs tied together. <laughs> but he couldn't over, he couldn't win that race in his third race. He was in there because the owner wanted to be in there, which is fine. It's the Kentucky Derby. But now the Breeders' Cup has turned into that in the training up to, the training up to, we're going to train up to, we're going to train up to. Because they just want to make it. They just want to make it in the race. That's just not how horse racing works. <laughs> or, or, or at least worked for however many years it's been around. You, you credentialed yourself. You, you, you prepared yourself. You got the foundation. And if, if your horse threw a clunker in or got hurt or something happened, well, that was that was the way it went. You healed him back up and you brought him back. Yep. And now it's like we, we need to, oh, a horse runs a good race and we, they put him in bubble wrap and then we're supposed to just, you know, train up to it, train up to it, train up to it, train up to it. And it takes away. It takes away from the whole game. And it's not an individual thing. It's not this guy or that guy. It's it's just across the board. I remember the first Breeders' Cup, 1984, Hollywood Park, the turf, with half the field shipping in from overseas. All the, ran the week before. <laughs> the entire field ran within three weeks. Every horse in the race had run within three weeks. I think there was 14 of them. It's unheard now, of days. Now, there won't be any. There'll be zero. Not at not at a, at a in a grade one race, no, no. And it's funny because people say, "Oh, in Europe they run them two weeks." Yeah, they run them back in two weeks once, and then they don't run for seven months. <laughs> so we have a, a going in circles podcast on YouTube channel, and I've been putting on putting up. Um, <clears throat> videos on the playlist of the races so i'm trying to divide out all the breeders cup races or at least the pertinent ones and putting all the videos for all the contenders in it so that we can just look at them um without having to search for them and i was going through the european races and i mean a lot of these horses they run three or four times over there oh yeah and it's just so funny that people use the argument when it when it suits them. Oh, in Europe they, they race they, they race all the time. They race them back. Oh, look at that horse. He ran an ascot. Then he ran, you know, ten days later. Yeah. Then he didn't run again till October. <laughs> yeah, nice healthy eight month layoff. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, moving on. I was um, <laughs> I was looking at, don't ask me why, but I was looking at the NBA lines for last night, 
And I saw that the Suns were a 29 and a half point favorite over some team called the 36ers. The 36ers. The 36ers. Who are like, like, they're like the, like half of the 76ers. Um, Literally. And they had, they had come over twice and played preseason games and gotten thrashed. Kind hadn't come smoked. over. Hadn't come over since uh, before COVID, the year before COVID, actually. But um, I just, I just thought it was so funny that <laughs> the Suns lost. <laughs> they lost the game outright. They were twenty and a half point favorites. That just goes to show you, man. Sometimes Vegas doesn't get it right. Yeah. They seem to get football right, though. Man, they they get football right up and down the whole way. I don't understand it. It's it's freakish. Like the the over unders, I'll never understand how they get that number relatively right every time. Like they're right around that number. True. I just don't understand. It just doesn't register in my head how that's possible. And I guess that's because of me playing basketball. And I know, like, somebody could get hurt during the game and come off the bench. Some some other guy that never plays comes off the bench and lights him up for, like, 50. So, I mean, it's like all the random things that can happen in the game. Right. Or more often than not, they're, they're, the number is they're right on. Right, like I mean, you can't account for injuries, and you can't account for just a bad day by offensively or defensively by one of the teams. It's just, but they're always on it, despite those things. Uh, you know who's going to the 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 game uh, in Buffalo this weekend? Our guy, the mayor. Oh, on purpose. The mayor and company are heading to Buffalo on purpose. They're going on Saturday afternoon. I guess Saturday morning. And they're going to go. <laughs> they're getting a tour of Niagara Falls. Oh wow! So if you see an incident at Niagara <laughs> Falls, you'll know why. Some lunatic throwing wings at somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our guy. There's a guy with a giant head. He just jumped over the falls <laughs> with a margarita in oh, a barrel. So they're playing the Steelers, and there's one guy who listens to this podcast. I know for sure that uh, big Steelers guy, Helium V or V Helium. <laughs> He's also a Helium fan. There's another guy too. <laughs> oh, I know that guy too. I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> you got beat by the Jets. I don't want to say it too loud because you know if you know who gets beat by the Jets next week, it'll be torturous. But. Oh. But no, the Buffalo is a 14 and a half point favorite over the Steelers. As they should be. I never thought the Steelers should be a 14 point underdog to anybody. I mean, yeah, because you would think, like, you know, traditionally their defense have, has been pretty decent. Well, the best player got hurt. That didn't help. And that didn't help. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, they started out. With uh, Mitchell Cushing as their as their quarterback, Mitchell Cushing, <laughs> he's he's already benched. No, uh, all the Bears fans were coming out of the woodwork to talk smack about that. 
The Bears fans don't have much to talk about their quarterback. Well, they got to take wins when they can get them. Yeah. So I guess uh, getting rid of Mitch was a win. It was. It was. But Turning out that way so far. They didn't look exactly like uh, the 85 <laughs> Bears. <laughs> and that came last yesterday against the, the Then our guy, our guy Tua got his egg scrambled on Thursday. Uh, Tua got, yeah, Tua's in the concussion protocol. No, McDaniel said he's going to play. So, yeah. Going with the coach. Not against the Jets. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, you know, they can handle the Jets. Teddy Teddy can handle the Jets. Yeah, Teddy, Teddy can take care of the Jets. You just got to shake off the rust a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, he looked a little better this week. At least he, he was prepared to play. <laughs> he wasn't ready. I, I maintain against Buffalo that he had just popped. Like, he wasn't ready. He, didn't he had popped like three gummies on the sidelines. He was just going <laughs> to chill on the bench. And, uh, oh, shit, I got to play. <laughs> he was making dinner reservations, man. He didn't seem all with it, but he seemed like he got a concussion without even getting <laughs> He might have. <laughs> he got a concussion getting up off the bench. He got up too fast. <laughs> So, Keeneland this week, my favorite bet of the year is back, the $3 turf try or whatever oh, they call it, triple try. What are they, What is it called? The, 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 the turf. Turf triple? <laughs> the $3 turf bet. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Kentucky's going to have turf racing. They have it at Ellis Park, but I'm not sure that. That seems more nah, like, it doesn't have the same kind like of like green pavement. Doesn't feel the same. Then they have uh the, the Kentucky Downs with the biased inside at the second half oh. of the meet. One thing about Ellis is like watching replays from Ellis is like horse player torture. Yeah. <laughs> There's no good way to watch a race from Ellis Park. It's, that, it's... that is true. Do you know I was in Kentucky for ten years? <laughs> I never won a race at Ellis Park. What? I never won. How many did you run though? I mean, not many, but yeah, I was gonna say it... not many. I went there the first time I went there. It was like 142 degrees, <laughs> and I was like. This is the hottest place on earth, man. <laughs> I can't function. I went and I got in my car and I, I sat in the AC. It can't be worse than Miami peak summer. I'll tell you, you can get used to Miami. Right, yeah. Ellis is I, just... I gotta say, I, I've you know, The humidity in the Miami's would get you... It rarely gets over 100 degrees in Miami. But I remember this in Tucson when I was at school. And this was when I... I had to get, you know, I had to get the uh, registered and stuff. You, you were leaving. I remember the first day I went to Tucson was um, the day after the Travers that uh, Java Gold won. Okay. I remember it was a cold, miserable day. There. It was that weekend was, was not nice. I remember it, it was cold. Poured rain before the race. Yeah. It, it was right before. And it the- was, it was like chilly. It wasn't. It yeah, it wasn't. It didn't feel like a normal late August day. 
and I got um I got uh I got off the plane in Tucson and I left the airport and I walked out and they had this, you know, sliding glass doors and it was like walking into a furnace. It was like a hundred and eight. I was like, holy shit, what did I get myself into here? Because I never visited or nothing. I was like, how bad can it be? I saw the brochure. <laughs> I saw sun and cactuses and chicks. And I was like, <laughs> it was like count me in. <laughs> how bad can this place be? You know, <laughs> I, I can make it there for, uh, for at least a, a couple of years. But um, the, everything was so hot. And that's the thing is the ground gets hot. Like the ground is hot, so you know there's no escaping it. I burned my hand on a phone bank, <laughs> like a payphone. Yeah, yeah. It was in the sun, and it's hard to describe. But they had this this bank of phones on, on... <laughs> and. Uh... I went up and I picked one up and you know, I'd been in the sun for nine hours or whatever and it was it was like picking up molten iron, man. I was <laughs> <laughs> surprised to have any feeling in that hand after that. But some girl was like, No, it was like you know, slow motion. No, like, oh, don't pick the phone up. But but yeah, it was so hot. But now Ellis Park is like stupid hot, man. The pea patch, man. It looks hot on TV, though. I have yeah. this, it does look hot there. I, thought, I guess I probably ran 12, 13, 14, 15 horses there. But I never won. I never won. I got beat. I got beat. It was like two to five one time. When the horse was we were just dropping to get rid of. And he lost. And then, <laughs> uh, oh, she lost with a Philly. They claimed this filly out of Tampa, and it was people I didn't even know. Um, and they claimed her as a broodmare. Well, they got her back to the farm in Kentucky, and it turns out she didn't have ovaries. Dang. So, one thing led to another, and I wound up with the horse, and you know she just wasn't any good. Um, I think we dropped her from like fifteen to like the five thousand. Never went three. And she went off like two to five or three to five, and of course didn't win. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember telling it, and the guy that owned the horse was a really nice guy. It was this this couple, and they were they were nice people, really nice people, and they they were trying hard. They had a farm out in, um, for sales, and it was a little farm, but you know, a nice little farm. And, um, and I told him, I said, listen. <clears throat> I'm gonna run this horse at River Downs and a, a dated nickel. I said the horses there are so bad, like so bad that she has to beat these. You know, I go win, lose, or draw. She's not coming back to the barn in Churchill. <laughs> You've got to go from drive from Lexington to River Downs, which is only about an hour, and pick her up because she's got to go home with you after the race or you can sell her to somebody i go but she's on a one-way trip my friend she cannot come back to the barn she's banned from the barn so i sent sheree 
Cherie DeVoe, and, and this girl named Ryan, Ryan Smith, to run the horse. And I said, you guys are on your own. You know, this is the first horse I ever ran. <laughs> Just don't bring it back. So I was at the farm. I had a farm in Lexington, which was, you know, I could talk for hours on that disaster. But uh, whatever it was, I got done early there. So I was like, you know what? Let's take a trip up to to River and spy on the girls. And go see this fine stuff. Oh, boy. So I get up there, and... Um, uh, I'm standing outside the paddock, and, and River Downs is actually a nice little track. It's it's not. Um, I mean, the horses are on there aren't very good, but it, it's it's right by the river, and it's Belterra now. Of course, it's a oh. casino, and I haven't been there since. Why Pete Rose liked it there? Yeah. So I go up, and I'm standing there. And I don't know anybody. It was funny because I go to tracks all over the place and I, you always find people you know. And I like hardly knew anybody there. So I was standing there sort of incognito by the by the rail, uh, by the, outside the paddock, trying not to let them see me, just kind of watching, you know. Yeah, that. that so I'm standing next to this lady and she's complaining. And it turns out she owns the horse who's the second choice in the race. Now, we're coming off the Ellis Park race where I think we were third. And I think we were like four to five or three to five in this race. This is how bad this, these horses were. I mean, these are like, you know, like your, your proverbial 30 or 40 buyer horses. So she says, can you believe these these <laughs> these people from from Kentucky sent this heavy head up here to beat to run against us. I'm thinking to myself. You I have no idea, owner, lady. I told the owner, this horse is banned, <laughs> man. He ain't coming back to my barn. This is it. When lose, I don't care if he wins by 100. <laughs> She's out. You know? And she said, yeah, this heavy head. And I, and I, I was like, uh, you know, she kind of looked at me and I was like, you know, just kind of shrugged my shoulders. Like, yeah, you know. I'm thinking, like, she doesn't have any idea. That's my horse, you know. So, Joe Johnson rode the horse, and he was up there to ride. Uh, the cradle was that day. Huh. That's when they still had to race the cradle. Yeah, I remember that. So he was riding the favorite uh, in that race, so that's why he was up there. So uh, we had named him on, and, and I remember telling him, because he came over to the barn this, in the morning, and I said, just, Joe, just, you know, just don't lose. <laughs> you know, whatever you do, <laughs> please. So uh, he, he he wins by like eight or nine. She won easy. And uh, who do I walk into? Go into the winner's circle? Marty McGee. Hey. So <laughs> we bring him in the winner's circle. And then I showed up, you know, the girls were like, oh, my God, you're here. I'm like, yeah, we're here for the win picture. So I won a race at River Downs, but I never did win a race at uh, – I never did win a race at uh, Ellsberg. Basically, you should have won both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They took them. They took her home. I don't know what they ever, whatever become of that horse. But but that's happened. That's happened. There was a horse named Shoop that used to race in New York. About yeah, I remember a gray horse, uh, yeah. Gasper Moshera. Gasper. That's right. A lot of guys had her. Um, Off the top of my head, she won a bunch of races. Graded, you know, stake races, mm-hmm. and she was not able to be bred. 
So she was claimed, I think, more than once. I only know because I cashed on her. Uh, I brought my girlfriend to Saratoga one year, which was a bad idea. (laughs) Um, But she managed to pick that horse, and she only liked it because um, the name reminded her of the Salt and Peppa song. Shoot. So, yeah. Needless to say, we didn't last very long. I'm a little more, I'd like to believe I'm a little more intellectual than that. So, <laughs> I can tell you, Amber just doesn't pick names. That's good. System. <laughs> um, it was funny, uh, Twitter thread, the name Filberto Leone comes up. Hello! Um, and our, our our guy, Sean Patrick Nolan, the president of SPN. Twitter, the only guy in Twitter that everyone likes, literally the only about incinerate winning the better roses for the chief with uh, Philly Leon, which which I do recall incinerate, jeez. But um, <laughs> I also recall. <laughs> We run in the Chief entered one at the Meadowlands. This oh, is like this is the greatest 90, story. Ninety six or ninety seven, <laughs> and the horse is was uh, I can't remember his name was, but he was by a horse named Cool Joe, and Cool Joe was was giant. He was a big giant horse, a sprinter. Uh, and then we had this horse by by Vinnie Moscarelli, I think, bred the horse. Um, and, he, and this one was, he was a big sprinter too. He was, he was fast. He had a lot of speed. And <laughs> so Chief puts him in at the Meadowlands and, and he names Filberto Leon. <laughs> so I said to Leon, I got to leave early to go to the Meadowlands with this horse go to the jocks because he was riding the Belmont that day. I said, uh, and this was the fall, obviously the medalist. Um, make sure you get the big girths because this horse has got extra big girths because he's freaking giant. And you never know. I mean, the Meadowlands, even then, oh, it wasn't, uh, the meat, it wasn't like a long meat. So, <sighs> so, we get over there and and it's like wicked cold that day. You know the wind was whipping and um, the groom that rubbed the horse, <laughs> um, he had a wooden leg. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, this is this was um, this a pirate. This is the pirate ship that jerking red, <laughs> and people have no idea. People have no idea the handicap he he, he handicapped himself sometimes. So the guy was a good groom, but he just struggled a little bit with a really tough horse because, you know, <laughs> he had a wooden leg. Um, so uh, we come over and, and, and we're at the Meadowlands and the power goes out in the barn. So now we're in the dark for like two hours and 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 it just was and, and I took the van over. I didn't drive over. So. So you're stuck. And 
it's cold and, and, and now the barn's dark and uh, they came and they gave us like flashlights. So it was just like insane. So by the time this race runs, it's like 11 o'clock at night. Of course, you know, we'd started our day started about five that morning. And we get over and the wind is, is howling. And, you know, the wind, the wind at the Meadowlands, aqueduct wind can be, can suck sometimes coming off the bay. But the wind at the Meadowlands was always the worst, especially that time of the year when it was cold. And, um, you know, the Meadowlands is flat. There's nothing. To right. There's nothing. Block it. Flat. So <laughs> we were walking up from the holding barn, which is uh, at the top of the stretch on the, the old stretch. Now it's, it's on the backside, but um, you know, it's where the harness has their paddock. So we would go there, assemble, and then we'd walk down to the paddock right in front of uh, the grandstand by the winter circle. The old, this is the old metal obviously so i remember it was so freaking cold <laughs> walking up the wind was howling and the horse is like getting all cranked up so we get in the stall and the valet comes and i said did leon give you the girths and he's like no so i'm uh, i'm already like <sighs> so he says but I got, I got, I got these ones. They're pretty big. So I was like, all right, let's give it a try. So <laughs> we tried the girths were about six inches too short, which is a lot. <laughs> it wasn't like close. It was like way too small. So um, I told the guy, I said, dude, you gotta have bigger ones because this is, you know, so the jocks room at the metal ants was a long ways away. They had to kind of like, walk down a set of stairs and then walk like a hundred yards and then go up a set of stairs. And so it wasn't like it, it was just, you know, a 32nd a, a walk. So now the horse, he just half got saddled. Now he's all cranked up. So now he's jumping up and down and the wooden leg guy can't hold him. So I wound up taking a hold of him and, and walking him around and everybody else is saddled and we're, and we're still, we got this big horse and, and he's, he's huge, right? And he's, bucking and kicking and the wind is blowing and so now we're holding the race up <laughs> so finally the guy comes back and he's got these girths right and and they're not they're big er but they were just stretched out <laughs> like they were they look like like sam bolmetis used them in like the 1964 jersey derby <laughs> so <laughs> i'm thinking to myself you know <laughs> These things are about 50-50 to snap during the race. So it's like, oh, God. So we, we get it on uh, the horse. And and, and <laughs> believe me, it, it took every effort, all the effort in the world. And I'm pouring sweat. Now, it's about 45 and windy. And i am got sweat pouring off me because I'm, I'm so, you know, like worked up. The horse is all worked up. The wooden leg guy, he's, he's going around. The he's done. So Leon comes out and he, he, he's like half asleep. I cussed him like a dog, like up and down, and and, and like, so you better win this race. <laughs> so they go to the they go to the track. The paddock judge comes over and he says, "Listen, you can't yell at the jockey." He's like, you know, he goes, you, you, "You know, you'd be the first jockey or first trainer ever fined for for yelling at the jockey before the race." And I said, well, did you see the production that we just had? That was because this 
moron didn't bring the proper girths. I said, if you had brought the proper girths, we'd have got the horse saddled. And, then, and he goes, I know. And he said, I know. That's the only reason I'm not going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> so they go out to the race. And he's a speed horse. What happens? He winds up in the box. Joe Bravo and Tommy Turner, like, man, they, they made Leon look like a, like a damn fool. And the horse gets beat. And now I'm like, and, and I come down and the paddock judge looks at me and I'm like, like, come on. I was I'm like, don't worry. I'm not going to say a word to him. I said, I'm just, just, I said, what can I say? Like, what, what is there to say after that? So, uh, <laughs> so we go back, we're going back to Belmont. We get the horse, you know, back at the barn, get him all ready, get back on the truck and we're on the, um, the, the Cross Island Expressway and what happens? Construction. Uh, we got back at 4.30 in the morning. Didn't need to go home. Nope. So I'm, I'm sitting in the office and Jerkins comes in about 5.30. What are you doing here? Order <laughs> six. And he goes, what happened last night? And I told him, I can tell you what, what's never going to happen again. <laughs> Chuck is never going across the river to saddle a horse. If Roberto, if Filberto Leone is driving him, that's never going to happen ever again. And like, what did Leone do? And I told him. And he was like, ah. So, don't you know, he puts the horse back in. At Mellon's. Two weeks later. And and I don't remember if it was two weeks or ten days or what, but, but a short period of time in a class over his head. He raised him a class. And he puts Jody Giorgio, who's our exercise rider, on the horse. <laughs> you know what happened, right? Winner. Wire to Easy wire. money. <laughs> Jody brought like six pairs of girths. <laughs> he, he brought every, every girth that they had at Belmont Park to the Meadowlands that night. Uh I remember telling him it was one of those Meadowlands nights. Don't fall off. Speed was just like golden. And I said, Jody, just go to the lead. Do not, you know, don't let anyone get to the lead. Just go to the front. And he went to the front. He opened up about 10. I think he went like 21 and 2 to the quarter down the backside. (laughs) I was thinking, man, you better hold on. But he did pretty easy. Oh, man, that, that was... That was some, uh, that was, the Meadowlands was, I know they're racing those, those six horse turf cards nowadays, but. No, I remember those, those night cards on Mondays, Monday night cards were the greatest. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot of good horses ran at the Meadowlands too, over the years. John Henry. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle Slew ran. I think Seattle Slew lost there. No, I wasn't Seattle, so that was, uh, um, maybe it was Seattle, so I don't know, I was so young, I can't remember, it was those races. Like, the real Pegasus was there. <laughs> the original. Yeah, right, well, the Pegasus was the dining room there, so yep. they, they had a great buffet. It was crazy, the Meadowlands was, was like a hopping track, I mean, there'd be big crowds over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember we did the 
daytime, nighttime, Belmont, Meadowlands. And it was really, it was actually more crowded at the Meadowlands than it was at Belmont. Yeah, they would get, they would get big crowds at the Meadowlands. Oh, shit, the mayor's calling. Uh oh. Mayor, the mayor wants in. You got to bail him out. Probably. <laughs> no, he's he's got a he's got a a, a wife to be now. A mayor wrangler. That's right. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to patch him in. No idea. No clue. Yeah, the races used to be great, man. It's uh, it's something that's lost these days. It just is. People who are of our age, our age, and, and you know, even a little bit younger, they they can remember, like going to the races, and, and there'd be people there. And it's just not the same nowadays. It just isn't. It's it's hard to to say. Um, but there's just not that buzz, you know. Like Saratoga, you get it. You get a Derby week. You get a Keeneland. You get you know the the the, the usual suspects. But right. Um, it's just uh, it's just hard for people to comprehend. And you know, we had this inane thread on Twitter the other day about this one guy who was talking about. But you know about fans, and it's like, dude, fans. Like, wh- what are we gonna get fans of? Wh- like, who who's coming to the races on a Thursday afternoon? It's a quote unquote just a fan. And yeah, there's people that would come, but I'm talking about like on a whole scale fashion. Like, we don't have a game. We don't have stars. You would go to a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game for what reason? To see the game, right? You want to see the game because you probably have a rooting interest on one side or the other. Or there is a star player that you want to see in person that you want to actually see. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have that in this sport. That happens very, very rarely. Well, we do have it, but it's just not what it is. Well, uh, there's no... like. Who comes to the races for a rooting interest on a day when it's not a stakes day? Right. Nobody. Nobody. And that's, that was my point was that what's what's a compelling reason to come to the races? The only compelling reason to come to the races is to make money. So to gamble. It's the gambles, the bet on the races. And and that's it's it's just hard to fathom that there's still people out there. You know, in the racing business of in some way, shape, or form, that just don't get that. They're saying, "Well, you know, we need sponsorships and all this other stuff." And I'm like, "Dude, what are they gonna spot? What are we sponsoring? Uh, this isn't really a sport, <laughs> right? Know? That that kind of stuff should be very secondary to the whole gambling venture aspect. It, it just it, I don't it know just, how that uh, gets lost in in all of this. Like we're controlled, like it or not." By, by entities other than ourselves. State commissions. And now we have this heist of the deal with. 
We're a state-mandated gambling activity. It just happens to involve horses racing. The actual sport of it, the racing of it, it just isn't compelling viewing. There's just no reason to go out there to watch the third race from Aqueduct or Laurel or, or anywhere. you got to really love horses or something. <laughs> sure. You just kind of partake. Like, and, you know, the ideas that people come up with about beer gardens or this or that, those are gimmicks. You're getting the, the idea that people are going to become racing participants by osmosis just by showing up once uh, at the racetrack. There's lots of people in the game that, that were exposed to the races that wound up becoming, you know, getting involved in the business. Mm-hmm. But those experiences versus the entire population are 10,000 to one. Most people either don't have the disposable income or uh, if they're not going to bet, like why would they keep coming back? And I'm not saying that they don't come to the races once a year, twice a year or something like that, or have an outing there. Well, it's almost but like you can't create a business out of that. It's not a bit, there's no business of fandom of, of horse racing because how do you how, how do you create revenue from those people? Well, it's like you know, if a person went to the movies and and they didn't want to watch a movie, they wanted to read a book. Yeah, right. Like they have, you know, they have, they have really nice. You know, those chairs. those people that go on those days where they have food trucks or whatever, the the main attractor for them is the food truck, not the actual racing. So right. it's, it's, you know it's what I mean? True. Getting them and to cross is difficult. You know, getting them to go to the track, like if somebody's bringing someone to the track just to go to the track, it's about gambling. It's not about the food or anything else. You know, if, if they happen to have good food there, great. But that's not the main attractor. No. And that's, I don't know, understand how we got away from that. And, and I guess you're on the right track with it. By saying, you know, they're trying to do these gimmicks and and be friendly with whomever they're getting assistance from, which, you know, kind of makes sense. But, you know, it's just seems to me like a really futile enterprise for people to not promote this as a gambling venture. Yeah, it just it's just weird to me. And like, hey, you know what? If your track wants to have food trucks once a week or once a month, but that's fine. I have no problem with any of that. that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that can't be your business. Right. It can't be the main point. The, you know, and then, of course, the the Uber capper jumped in and was, you know, say, well, a Keeneland. I was like, Keeneland, Keeneland doesn't count. Hey, Keeneland is such an outlier and on so many fronts. Billion dollars worth of horses a year, okay? A billion dollars worth of horses they sell. What other track does that? None. Zero. It's Keeneland. It's in Lexington. It's it's 15 days in the spring and it's 15 days in the fall. It's great. It's awesome. But it's not it's not applicable to other places. Saratoga, not applicable. Delmar, not applicable. It just isn't. You can't make a Saratoga somewhere else. You can't create a Delmar somewhere else. You can't. You can't make Keeneland 
uh, somewhere. Tampa Bay Downs can't say, oh, we want to be like Keenan. They can't. <laughs> no. They can't. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Tampa Bay Downs. But Laurel can't say, hey, you know, we want to be like Keenan. We want to run 15 days and five five days and, you know, and have good purses and this and that. Well, you, you can't do it. And it's not going to work because you're not Keenan. And you don't sell a billion dollars worth of horses at Laurel. And guess what? You also don't have. You don't have Lexington. Right. Behind you in every way, shape, and form. You don't you don't have, you know, thirty thousand college kids that, that you know, one of the main things they all do is a rite of passage is go to Keeneland and get drunk. It's just like this is the this is the problem. It's like you can't do that. It's great for Keeneland, but that's for Keeneland. And that's the point that people just miss. You cannot capture what happens at certain places. Like the Kentucky Derby is, is amazing, right? It's, it's just this huge race. It's, everyone knows about it. It's got the huge amount of interest. It's got public interest. It's got, you know, everybody wants to win it. Well, you can't make another one. It's the only one. It's unique. It's a reason that it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's taken you know, literally a hundred years to build that up. You can't just make that, and and that's the thing that that just escapes these these people with these ideas. And and I was trying to say, and uh, that I went to school in Arizona, University of Arizona, the racetrack program, long time ago, man, a long <laughs> time ago, and believe me. People had those same ideas back then. And they have not worked. It's the same idea that people had that we were going to get crossover from slots customers. Oh, well, they're gamblers. They're going to get, we're going to get them into the building. We're going to put a TV up there. We're going to just, you know, it, it was, it's a miserable failure. There's almost no turnover from, from slot players to horse players. And it's because they have a different mentality. Playing slots and playing horses, it's mindless, completely, completely mindless. Gambling is gambling, is gambling, right? But it's not. It's it's totally different. Slots it's totally different. So you don't have to do anything but push a button, right? It's it, it's it's just action. <clears throat> it's not you know. There's no strategy. There's no planning. It's just action. And that's the thing is that a lot of people in this business thought that we would get people because they. We got them in the building, and that's just not the way it works. Just getting them in the building isn't enough. It's enough for the rare person. It's enough for the the one out of a hundred. But that's not enough. Gambling is what this business is. In a lot of ways, the harm of and this, let's say this, you know, I'll say this right up front. Without the proceeds from Racinos, most of the tracks in this country would be closed at this point. They wouldn't have made it. Especially now. But the mentality that many in this industry have um, adopted because of that money the 
the lack of focus. And there's always been a lack of focus on the gambling side. But even as people became more aware of the economics of racing and and as such, there's still the connotations of the betters are a nuisance. And hey, we got slot money and you know, look at Kentucky's purses. And do we really need, you know, and that sucks because the slot money is not going to stay forever. And you can tell me, well, that's the law. I said, but I can all tell you. They write new ones all the time. Law changes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, um, I remember saying this about a conversation with some guys when I was at Parks. This was years ago. And they were kind of contemplating and you know saying how great everything was and I said guys look around look at us look at look at Penn look at the harness tracks if I give you a billion dollars and this is what you came up with would would you be happy and I said well what do you mean I said well if you put a billion dollars into something because that's about what we've gotten about a billion dollars does this look like a, a billion dollars worth doesn't look like it to me. I said, someday a bunch of politicians are going to say the same thing. And it wasn't that long after that they came calling for the money. And they got a little bit of it. And I'm not one of these deranged people that says, oh my God, the game has to live on its own merits, blah, 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 blah. That's a crap of shit. <laughs> Everything's subsidized. You know what? You watch the NFL football? subsidized. You know who's subsidized? By by you. <laughs> All these stadiums they're playing in. Stadiums, the TV deal, streaming. The stadium deals. That's subsidized by, by you, by, by the taxpayer. Don't tell me about this, you know, that business has to stand alone. No, that's not true. I just wish that the money was had been used in a, in, a, in a proper manner to grow the game instead of just throw money at at certain classes and yeah whatever. Anyways, we've talked too long. So Time Lord, we got the yeah, the Time Lord, the Time Lord. Um, we have um. We have Keeneland coming up this weekend. They got a bunch of stakes. And... Yeah, this weekend's going to be lit. The one thing about Keeneland... First weekend is always lit. They they always buck the trend of, of... I shouldn't say always, but for the most part, they buck the trend for field size in those stake races. People want to run at Keeneland. They just do. A lot of the power brokers and people with um, you know, the big horses, they... they have operations in Lexington and, and running at Keeneland is, is important to them. So those races are always, always um, good fields, good field sizes. I mean, they're not always great fields, but, but um, yeah, that we got the $3 turf bet and, uh, and that'll be it, man. After that, like it'll be from British cup time. Yeah. It'll be, we got a bunch of stuff for the Breeders' Cup this year. Yeah. 
So, anyways, that's uh, that's it for tonight. Unless you got anything else, Mr. No. Sniper. No, I think we covered it all. Um. Oh, oh, one thing before I go. Uh, shout out to the Live and Breathe Horse Racing Facebook group. They show a lot of love. They show us a lot of love, and we're gonna show it right back. Love you yeah. guys. Keep doing it. Yeah, uh, we're supposed to do a show this week. Oh yeah. Thursday, right? Thursday night. Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Yeah. I don't know what the, what it's actually called, like the formal name. I don't either. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it, and I don't want to say the wrong name. But right? I yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what it is, but you'll see it. We'll tweet it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm Wednesday. I'm going on with our man Joey Bianca. On, his, on the uh, writers' room? Uh, no, 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 no. They wouldn't let me on that one. Why not? Uh, on on the one with Joey, the the better show. Oh, better things. Yes. Better okay, things. okay, okay. That's what's up. Better things. You're gonna you're gonna be his last show. No, no. I think he's gonna keep doing that one. He's just not gonna do the other. Oh, one. he's not gonna do the other one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the better things is his. That's his deal. So. That's his baby. Yeah, yeah. He's allowed to. He's allowed to comment on that one. So, um, yeah, that that should be fun. Joe's a good guy. I've known Joey since before he was in the business. I remember when he was a, a slave working for Steve Bick <laughs> at the uh, at the uh, the barbecue stand in Saratoga. <laughs> The, the much the much missed barbecue stands yeah. my dad man that was a that was a hell of a place man Bobby Frankel Siaka Jerry Brown uh, my, my dad used to go there every day of course my, my dad stopped going um he said you know it wasn't as fun that uh and that, that goes back to the social aspect, you know. I used to hang out with the guys, and yeah, it was it was it was fun, you know. Our man Hooves, Hooves was he was a regular. Hooves, yeah, he was there. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the last place I could have eaten on the grounds of Saratoga, and it didn't cost a fortune. Usually because. I ate for free. <laughs> a bit could always bring pies and stuff, man. But all good things come to an end, including the show. <laughs> all right, everyone. If you've uh, if you survived this long. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. So Barry came up with an excellent idea. The Saratoga Racing Blog, the Going in Circles Daily Saratoga Racing Blog. 
patterned sort of after the great Stephen Christ, who, when he worked for the racing form, did a Saratoga daily blog. Uh, Steve retired several years ago, and we figured, what the hell, let's, let's try to put our own together. And so far, it's gone seemingly well. If you haven't seen it, check it out at goingincirclesdigest.substack.com or we put the link up every day on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, all sorts of social media. Uh, Check it out.